Good, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode seven of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal finance, investing in business, while asking entrepreneurs about the investments they've made in money, time, and energy that have gotten them to where they are today. So I'm going to finish off the presentation summary and deliver part two to you guys, which is the investing focus. Now, this one covers quite a few different aspects and is certainly more helpful if you're Canadian, but it will introduce you to a lot of the same investments concepts that apply to any country really uh, because most of them all use the same types of investment vehicles. Now I do just want to add on uh, a little note that I'm pretty happy about. On Friday after my presentation I, I sent an email to the teachers thanking them and asking them to pass it on to other schools and today I got the email in the morning that they they would love to have me back even next semester and have me come back regularly which is is pretty awesome and is a nice feeling to know that you know, I made a personal goal for a reason and it worked. And that being said, they will pass on to other schools and hopefully I'll get more chances to deliver my talk and help spread information and knowledge and exposure uh, for education that way. So pretty psyched, eh? Good way to start off the week. So without further ado, I will dive into the concepts on investing. Now it's not gonna be too long, but there's gonna be a lot of good information in here. So the better that you actually understand some of these terms and concepts, the easier it might be for you to grasp. But if you are a listener and you have some questions about what you hear today, please feel free to send me an email or DM me through Instagram at either highly invested or at make more capital on Instagram. And the email would be makemorecapital@gmail.com, And I can help uh, try and break down a little bit more and simplify any of these terms if you don't catch on to them. But again, the more you are familiar with it, the easier it will be to, to obtain as much of the information that I'm going to uh, to share. So doesn't that go to show that financial literacy is a language? Eh? Now, an important point that I'm going to make is that this is focusing on investing in financial instruments only. There's of course, real estate, there's business, there's many other types of investments, commodities, but I'm only going to be focusing on the five basic financial investment vehicles that, that the average person can have access to for a relatively low cost and be able to invest and grow their money that way. So what do you call a car with a bunch of financial documents in it? An investment vehicle. Ha! Thank you. I hope you like my dad joke there. Now, an investment is you know, buying something today, but really it's just putting your money somewhere else with hopes that it will rise in the future over time and make you more money. So obviously there are other forms of investments. In the stock market, you invest in a company to grow your money. Stock is an equity instrument. It represents ownership in a business. So to raise money, a public corporation can offer pieces of ownership to the public. Now think millions or even billions of pieces of ownership called shares. Buying stock means trading your money for a percentage of ownership determined by the number of shares that you buy. So if the company grows in value from the price that you bought at, so does your money. But if a company struggles, your equity can lose value until the company recovers to the same stock price. Contrary to that, in the bond market, you invest in debt, also known as fixed income. A bond is a debt instrument, a loan from a lender to a borrower. You buy debt and you become a lender, and the person you give your money to, the borrower, promises to pay the full principal back plus interest at a set date in the future. Governments and corporations offer bonds. It's like lending your money to ensure you get it back with a bit extra as long as the government doesn't fail. Now, if you're investing $10,000 in a bond that pays 5%, it's not as practical and with 10,000 you'd want a little bit more growth. Now the good thing about bonds is that they offer far less risk and a bond makes a lot more sense is more practical if you have a lot of money and you're later in life and you want to preserve your capital. So if you have a million dollars saved up over a long period of time and you invested in a bond that's paying 5%, you're you can easily just make $50,000 a year based off of that interest income. So the stock market is too risky. 
Well, from 1872 to 2018, the S&P 500 had 101 years of positive returns and 45 years of negative returns. That's 69% positive, 31% negative. So successful investing requires long-term thinking. Prices go up and down daily because of trading. This is called volatility, and it is different from risk. Volatility does not bother the long-term investor with time, but it scares the short-term uneducated investor. You can believe that. And that's how people end up with a sour taste in their mouth of the stock market. Now, a single line represents the return on your investment if you bought an S&P 500 index fund on January 1st and sold it on December 31. Now, this is a lot more practical if I actually have the slides and I can show you the presentation. So what I'll consider doing is putting my presentation in the link in the bio for the podcast so that you can go check out the slides. Now, the S&P 500 is the same well-known index that I mentioned at the beginning or that I referenced when I talked about your investment horizon, how much time you have to grow your money. If you remembered, the S&P 500 represents the top something and hopefully what you just said in your head was 500 companies in America. Because if you did, you'd be right and you're retaining a bit of information. Hey, there you go. Now, another well-known index is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It tracks the performance of 30 of America's most reputable businesses, including Disney, Apple, and American Express, and others. And then furthermore, the S&P TSX Composite Index is the largest in Canada, which tracks the performance of the top 250 companies in Canada. Good thing to know is that you can either buy shares in individual companies, or you can buy shares in funds, which is another type of investment vehicle. Think a basket that holds pieces of many companies to spread the risk around, known as index funds, exchange-traded funds, or mutual funds. And that's what I will get into next. But one point I do wanna make is that I've just mentioned three, three well-known indexes, at least, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, and the S&P TSX Composite. So looking at them, it's important to know that you cannot buy directly from an index like this. So you cannot buy the S&P 500 index, you cannot buy the Dow Jones index, you cannot buy the S&P TSX Composite. But what you can buy are known as funds that copy the performance of these indexes, known as index funds or exchange traded funds, right? So you're getting you know, exposure to top companies, but if you're investing in a fund that copies the Dow Jones, it's going to be a lot more volatile because you only have 30 companies and it's it's a price weighted average meaning that the the bigger the company the more their their individual stock price affects the entire funds price and lastly uh, for example the TSX composite index that one has 250 companies so again you know by just having a bit of financial education and learning a little bit more about what makes up these investments you can invest with confidence because you know that your investment is already plenty diversified Many reasons, but with a bit of financial education, it'll be easier for you to look through and decide on these, you know, lifelong low-cost funds that can save you so much money on fees and just make you wealthy over time. Index funds and exchange-traded funds are diversified investment vehicles that passively track a market index or group of investments. They trade on an exchange like stock, and the average MER, or fee, is 0.4 because they're passive. Now using Google, you can find out anything about these. They are transparent, which, which, I like them, which I like a lot about them. For example, VFE, the S&P 500 index ETF from Vanguard is an all equity fund. With a bit of financial education, you know the S&P index is diversified. So this investment isn't going to be too risky. It, there may be some volatility, but it's diversified already. So you know that the risk is spread and it pays a dividend, which is great, 1.68%. You look a bit further, you see the fee is 0.08%, which is really low, and its past performances are strong. Two of the last five years returned over 20%, and you recognize the names of the top 10 holdings. You've got Microsoft, Apple, 
Amazon, Facebook, Berkshire Hathaway. Like these are the big companies you know. These are the companies that you want to own. Now, mutual funds are what we hear about a lot and these are what we get access to commonly in Canada through financial advisors. Now, they're similar to low-cost funds in that they are diversified to reduce risk, but mutual funds don't track anything. Instead, a fund manager is actively buying or selling parts of the mutual fund to try and make more money, which makes the fee higher as an active management vehicle. Now, a big difference is that mutual funds don't trade on an exchange, and because they're a product of a company, they're, they're quite secretive. In fact, when I owned them in 2016, there was no way for me to see what was in them. I remember saying to the financial advisor, hey, let, I, I know that I own mutual fund A, but what is inside of it? Like, can I see? And the guy, yeah, no, uh, you know, we, we can't really give that information away because next thing you know, if you go tell some other bank, they might try and steal our moves or our investments. It's like, when I was younger, I didn't really think to question it, but I was like, oh my God, this guy just, what a foolish shit idea. He just doesn't know what's in them himself. You know, main thing you've got to remember is that financial advisors in Canada if they're not fiduciaries or portfolio managers, they are sales representatives. They are trained in sales, not in finance. So when you give your money to a financial advisor, that person does nothing with the investments. They just recommend conservative or aggressive based on your needs. And then they give the money to someone in the bank who does the trading. So it's where the fees get eaten up because there's a number of people involved in that entire process. Anyways. Now, when you compare active versus passive management styles, the numbers don't lie. And historically, people do not beat the market very often. In fact, in 2008, Warren Buffett made a $1 million bet against an active management firm known as a hedge fund that over the next 10 years, the S&P 500 index would perform better than active managers. Guess who won? So when you, when you look at the numbers, over the period of 10 years, I think one mutual fund out of five came close to 67% over the 10 years. The active management firm actually returned 22% over 10 years, and the S&P 500 index returned 86 point or 85.6, which is an average of over 8% every year for 10 years, which is pretty much what you want. Now, of course, from 2018 or from 2008 to 2018 was a was a period of staleness at the beginning, but then there was a lot of growth. But still, he chose the right period of time. He put the money where his mouth was, and Warren was right. Another point to mention, one of the resources in the slide says um, the average mutual fund returns over the last five years were 6.92. This is 3% less than the average of the S&P 500 over the same period. So it's good to have perspective because again, certain organizations will only tell you certain investment options, but no, you have many more and low cost index funds are ones that you are not told or introduced to by the banks or financial services, but you've got the right to access them just as much as anybody else. When you turn 18, you get access to one of the best parts about being Canadian, a registered tax-free savings account. You can either open a self-directed tax-free savings account, which gives you control, or open a managed tax-free savings account with an advisor who invests for you. Now, it's not an investment itself, and the tax-free savings account does not pay any interest for keeping money inside, but it's a tax shelter, so in a tax-free savings account, you can buy and sell investment vehicles, and if the investment makes money, also known as capital gains, the gains are tax-free. This is how it can make you money, and if you need cash and have to withdraw some, you might have to sell some of your investment for shares in order to take it out, but you don't get taxed on that either. I will repeat, you don't get taxed on gains made in the account, and you can withdraw money tax-free. 
That is the difference between the RRSP, a very useful investment vehicle as well, but better when you are older and in a higher tax bracket. The TFSA should be used by anyone under 30, even if you're saving to buy a house because you can just withdraw the money tax-free as opposed to doing the home buyers program and then being in debt to either way. The TFSA is, is, is a great tool that I use, preferably, and that's why I think it's worthwhile looking into. Now, there is a contribution limit every year that is based on how the Canadian economy is doing, and there are some rules, like the one that I, I've learned the hard way, that you can invest when you're a non-resident. So if you do want to check it out, I will put a link in the bio for the, the episode, and you can go check out the rules of the TFSA. But it's great to know that you can open the self-directed one or the managed one, and the self-directed, which I'll get into in a moment, cuts out a ton of the fees. Lastly, inside a TFSA, these investment vehicles that you can buy are stocks. Bonds, index funds, exchange-traded funds, and mutual funds, and they're considered assets, things that rise in value and make you money over time, like property, a business, or art. So if you want to get rich, spend money on assets and avoid liabilities, things that lose value and cost you money over time, like credit card debt or unpaid bills. Asset allocation is another fancy word that simply means which investments you put your money in to reduce risk. Individual stocks carry the most risk with the highest reward, diversified funds are more balanced in the middle, and bonds have the lowest risk but the lowest reward. A good thing to know is that there are three types of funds that you can have in the middle, and those three types are 100% equity funds, meaning all stocks for growth, 100% fixed income, meaning all bonds for preservation, and a mix of stocks and bonds called asset allocation. How creative, right? Now, how do we access a tax-free savings account? Use a broker, like an online brokerage, bank, or financial service. Options in the past for investing were limited, but today in 2019, with financial technology, we have more options than ever before. Now, I want it to be clear to everyone here, I'm not telling you what to buy. I'm just trying to show you the facts objectively because I have yet to find someone else in Canada that's trying to do that. And that's going to be my goal, to show everyone the objective facts of the investing options you have so that you can be educated and make your right decisions. So the traditional option is to invest in mutual funds with a financial advisor. It's a hands-off approach, so you meet with a sales rep, answer a few questions, open the TFSA, and then give your money to the sales rep, and a fund manager inside the company actively manages it so the fee is high. Think banks like TD, CIBC, BMO, RBC, Scotiabank, or financial services like Sun Life or Manulife that also sell insurance. The second option is the new hands-off approach with robo-advisors. Sign up through the app or website, answer some questions, open a TFSA, and transfer money in. Now an algorithm will passively invest your money into index funds and exchange-traded funds, so the fee is much lower than mutual funds. Think Wealthsimple, Nest Wealth, and Plans Wealth. Lastly, the third option is a self-direct investing account. Sign up with an online broker or bank, open a self-directed tax-free savings account, send the money in, but you are in control through an app or website. Now there's usually a flat fee to buy or sell stocks, but many brokers offer no fee when buying shares of ETFs or index funds as a way to attract new customers, which is great. There's competition to get to get money away from the giant, giant banks in Canada. Now the only fee is the MER of the fund you buy, and you get endless resources for investment information. Think Quest Trade, or you can open self-direct with any bank. Now this route's not for everyone, but it's a great way to actively learn and gain experience. And the costs to do it yourself are just so low. Now the average cost, of course, you, can, you cannot see because you don't have the presentation, but the average fee for mutual funds in Canada is 2.35%. The average fee for robo-advisor is 0.05%, more than four times less than the cost of mutual fund fees. And lastly, if you self-direct, you can buy funds where the MER is less than 0.10% in some cases. There are many 
but if the average is 0.4, you can find some that are diversified, that track indexes that are well known, and the MER is literally less than 0.1. So you keep way more money over time. Now, these are the three investing options you have in Canada if you don't have over a million dollars in the bank. Now that you know them, take time to learn about them so that you can make the best educated decisions based on your needs when you're ready. And if one way doesn't work for you, at least you know your options. Now, how do you calculate the fee over time? You need to know how much you invest at the beginning, how much and how often you will add to the investment, how long you will invest for, how often dividends are reinvested, and what the average annual return will be over that 40-year period. So for this example, using a compound interest calculator, we can calculate and use these five variables to predict um, an average outcome at 7% over 40 years. So if we initially invest 5,000 as a lump sum, and then every single month for the next 40 years, you invest $250 a month. And every time you get paid dividends, which is probably every three months, quarterly, you reinvest those dividends. Now, over 40 years, if we can get an average return on investment of 7%, that 5,250 every month totals $125,000 over 40 years, but the return with interest is $729,054.58 after the 40 years. So considering you've only invested $125,000, that's quite a good amount of money made off of compound interest alone. Now, when we have to apply fees to that, you don't actually get to keep the 7% annually though. That's the only issue. So what you can do is determine the fee or the MER that you are paying. And before you even invest, you can calculate that if you decide to keep the money in for, you know, 40 years of this set period of time, and you fill in all the blanks for the compound interest calculator with your lump sum and then your monthly contributions, you can figure out how much money you can save if you stick to a, a consistent, but sustainable investment strategy. The first example we have is Kendall, who using the same 5,250 every month over 40 years investing quarterly, but she invested in mutual funds with the financial advisor. So the fee is 2.35%. So instead of an average return on investment of seven over 40 years, she gets an average of 4.65%. So instead of that $729,000, she did walk away with $378,607.44, which is still a good amount. However, she paid $350,447.14 in fees because of that 2.35% that she lost. Now, unfortunately, that number makes me sick. And that is how most people were taught to invest in Canada. So that is one of the main things that I want to help change and at least just introduce low cost funds into a wider system that gets gives more people the advantage to start investing early continue buying shares and just grow wealth. Because again, the more financially literate country or population is, I think it's better for everybody. Now, the second investor we have is Tom. And Tom, he followed the same investment strategy, 5,000, adding 250 every single month, over 40 years, reinvested quarterly. But Tom used a robo-advisor, so the fee was 0.5%. So instead of getting $729,054.58, Tom ended up with $631,000. $359.38, and he only lost $97,695.20 to fees because at the end of the day, his average return on investment was 6.50, 7 minus 0 
That's the average return after the fee. Now, Sarah, who self-directed and cut out as many fees as possible, she invested in one fund and the fee was 0.08. That was her MER. So investing 5,000 with 250 every month over 40 years, dividends reinvested quarterly. Instead of 7%, her average return on investment is 6.92%. 7 minus 0.08. So she ends up with 712,000 $357.14. 729 minus 712, Sarah only lost $16,697.44 over 40 years. How come her fees were so low? She cut out the middlemen and went straight to the source. By using a self-directed tax-free savings account instead of a managed one, it gives you the opportunity to control an investing account at no cost and you only pay the MER of the fund that you buy. And she went with the lowest MER possible. So that is how the fees can affect your investments over time. And that is the awareness that I'm trying to spread about fees in Canada because they're just way too high and people are paying almost as much as they are for their mortgage over their lifetime in fees by the time they're ready to pull their money out. It's terrible. Now, Rob Carrick, a well-known personal finance reporter in Canada, uh, partnered with the Globe and Mail and he asked a bunch of financial professionals to predict the outcome of two asset allocation portfolios over 10 years. Now, the first one was conservative and it held more bonds than stocks. The second one was known as aggressive. That was the title he gave it because it had more stocks than bonds. Now the results after the 10 years, the conservative one returned 4.55%. The aggressive one turned 6.05%. The catch, this is before the fees, right? So you've got to subtract either 2.35%, subtract 0.5, or subtract 0.08. And it's going to be ultimately up to you to educate yourself well enough if you want to cut out the fees as much as possible to take the right steps to either use a robo-advisor if you don't want to do any hands-on work, or learn the you know the steady but consistent steps to direct invest, which with practice is not that difficult, but again, it, it, it's for each and every one to, to get to that point in their life when they're ready to do that. The other thing I wanted to point out though is that why would you call it an aggressive fund when ultimately when you when a fund has a lot of equities in it and you give it time, what it does is it grows. It beat the conservative one by 1.5% and that extra 1.5% that you would have gotten if you chose the aggressive over the conservative translate to, translates to 1.5% more money in your pocket every single year annually. So if the financial advisors could properly educate you on what's actually inside the conservative and the aggressive fund, people would definitely be going the aggressive route. And again, it should be called growth. And the bottom line is if you look at historical results, funds that have more stock or equity in it always do better and return more when you do the most important thing, give the investment time. The last thing is compound interest. It is the eighth wonder of the world, said Albert Einstein, who of course is a fucking rock star. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it earn it and those who don't pay it, which is true. Now, some companies and most funds pay dividends, a share of the profits. And if you reinvest that dividend income, you get the effects of interest on interest, also known as compound interest. Now, the more money that you have and the more time that you give it, the faster your money compounds. And let's look at Warren Buffett's investment timeline. So at the age of 14, he made his first $5,000. By 21, he had $20,000. By 30, he had a million? What? Yeah, I guess money can grow that fast. When it's working hard for you. At 43, he had 34 million. At 53, he had 620 million. At 66, 17 billion. At 72, 36 billion. And now at the age of 88, he's an estimated net worth of $81 billion. Pretty incredible what your money can do when you've got it working for you. The rule of 72 is a great guideline to remember for compound interest. Take the number 72 
and divide it by your expected average annual return and that will tell you how many years it will take to double your money. So for example, if you're saving your money in a high interest savings account at 2%, it's a safe spot, but it's gonna take you 36 years to double your money based off of compound interest. So if you can find a better place and you might be earning you know, 8% annually, like uh, this type of fund I mentioned a couple times in the speech, you can possibly double your money in nine years. Now, of course, investing always involves risk. So make a plan and have a goal before you start and invest at your own risk. But know that the only person that you can trust to look out for the best interest with your own money is you and everyone wants to get rich quickly. So with financial education, it will help you build wealth slowly over time and you'll accumulate tons of knowledge and experience as you go. So if you can learn to save 10% every single paycheck and live off the other 90% well enough over time that you start saving some of that 90% so that you never have to touch any of that 10%, you will be golden. And this is just a recap of the four-step strategy to build wealth over time in the most cost-effective way in Canada. So step one is to budget and save money, get out of debt, and automatically deposit money into a self-directed tax-free savings account every month. By doing it self-directed, this is a way to invest the most cost-effectively. So what it's doing is cutting out ultimately a big chunk of that MER from the financial advisor. Now, step two is do your research and decide which low-cost fund is right for you. Take action, accumulate shares every month when the price is lower. That being said is once you buy a low cost fund, you do have uh, an average share price. And if you end up buying more of that fund when the price is lower and when, when it seems like your money, when, when your money has lost value, it actually brings your average price down if you buy more shares at a lower cost. So, you know, make sure that if you're gonna invest in a fund for 40 years, you're buying every single month, whether it's up but especially when it's down, because it can keep going up, but when it goes back down, you know that in time it will recover and go back up again. Step three, reinvest the dividends so that the interest compounds and don't touch for at least 10 years. If you cannot invest the money for 10 years, then do not start because 10 years is what you're gonna need to see at minimum for the compound interest to start kicking in. And that's when it's gonna make you realize that it's been worth it all along. Step four, the sooner you start, the better. The younger you are, the more time will work in your favor to grow your money 40, 50 years from now that you will be extremely wealthy if you can be consistent and keep that money invested. Now, that was my summary of the crash course on investing for all of you. I hope you found that very informative, especially as a Canadian, because most people don't know that they have access to robo-advisors or self-direct investing now. And if someone told them that they had access to self-direct investing, probably something that would scare them more than, than make them wanna jump on an opportunity because they've never once been taught about investing in school. So, so this is what setting a personal goal and three months of hard work helped me uh, achieve and get to. So this is my piece of content without the games and uh, a few other aspects of it that are, are more useful question than answering when, when you're in class with, with, with students. But I hope again you benefited. If you found this information useful, please share it with anybody else that would be interested. If you are a Canadian and you genuinely have questions and wanna learn more about how you can manage your money sustainably or cut out fees by investing on your own, feel free to reach out to me through Make More Capital, www.makemorecapital.com, Make More Capital on Instagram, or Make More Capital at Gmail, because that is kind of what my little side hustle uh, strategy consultation will do. I love finance, so I could probably talk your ears off for hours. Anyways, that is it for the episode, everyone. You can find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. Of course, you can find it at anchor.fm slash highly invested, but I have submitted to put it on Apple Podcasts as well. I think Anchor does it, but it takes roughly a week or two in order for them to 
sync. So soon you'll have more outlets to listen and more outlets to share. And if you did like this, please go follow me on Instagram at one of my few accounts or pass this on to someone that you would find it useful. Just here to spread the knowledge and have great conversations, even if they're just with myself. My next episode coming out, episode eight, will feature an interview with a buddy of mine I met from Instagram named Treep. And he's a 17 year old investor from the greater Toronto area. He's got a wicked personal brand. He's actually got a podcast where he first featured me and that kind of inspired me to get into gear and start my podcast. So Treep will be on the, the show for episode eight and I'll be asking him some questions and that should be out later this week. So hey, thank you all for listening and stay highly invested in yourselves. Till next time.